welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. Uh, I'm Nina. And I'm Letha. And today we're talking about episode four, which is named after our very own podcast. It's which called... I like to think came first, Cobra Kai Never Dies. Mm-hmm. Um, the IMDb synopsis is once again ridiculous. Uh, Robbie is in hot water with his father. Johnny plans to shut down Cobra Kai after Miguel is injured. Samantha and Kyler's relationship hits rock bottom. And a vandalized billboard creates tension for Daniel. What do you think about that synopsis? Technically, all of those things happen in this episode. That's what I think about every one of these IMDb synopsis. Right. It's technically true. But it doesn't quite capture the spirit of of everything that's going on. Like, for starters, Robbie being in hot water with his father doesn't really make any sense as a sentence because you learn in this episode, uh, or you're reminded, really, that Robbie and Johnny do not really have much of a father-son relationship. Is this the episode where you think they've... This is the first time they're really talking in 16 years, essentially. I mean, you keep seeing allusions to the fact that Johnny has, like, never been there for Robbie's an absentee dad. And it's almost like you kind of need that reminder because mainly when you see Robbie interact with Johnny, you're like, what a fucking brat. He is. I And I know, I don't know, my the, he gets a few sympathy points in this episode because, uh, well, we meet his mom also. Uh, Robbie's mom is a kind of a train wreck. She's a blowsy alcoholic. Yeah, that's, that's another way to put it. Um, and I think we open to Robbie working at kind of like a, a geek squad. Best Buy type scenario. And, uh, he, you can see that he can be very charming. He's like very charming to this guy who brings in his computer to be fixed. Looks very innocent. Looks very innocent. And then he turns around and he takes that computer and it turns out that he doesn't work at this place at all. He's just there to steal computers with his crumb bum friends. And you know how we know he's a bum is because I think in the Karate Kid universe, having slick back 80s hair means you're evil. Like, he has... For, for those who've watched the third Karate Kid movie, which I'm not spoiling anything, but he I'm telling you... a villainous he a, ponytail. He has a villainous 80s ponytail. Yes. And his... What he's really doing is just exploiting the confusion of the olds to fence computers. With two friends who I think are at least 35. Yeah, they, they both look like they're 35 it's years very old. very alarming. He's he's with a bad crowd. And you, you see him, like, in the parking lot with his 35-year-old chums. And, like, they're, like, talking about who they're going to sell the computer to. And then they all skateboard away, which is funny given how old his chums yeah. look. And Bobby, or Robbie is also, can I say, wearing a flannel shirt. So it's like, his look is so 90s it hurts. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with his character. I don't know what they're doing with with the time period. Right. Everyone, all the other teens are dressed like it's, you know, 2000 whatever. Yes, whereas Robbie is consistently dressed like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. It's odd. It's, I don't, I think they're trying to say something. What are they trying to say? I say, they're trying to say this character is stuck stuck in time also mm-hmm. to like some sort of early trauma perhaps his dad walking away from him oh yeah maybe it happened in the 90s oh my god whoa, whoa. okay that's our operating theory for robbie now 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 everything about his style makes sense the hair yeah okay. no that that trauma okay. of being abandoned but <laughs> let's start with uh so the first scene we see robbie uh committing his petty fraud or crime larceny? or whatever it is grand larceny yeah actually the computer's computer. pretty expensive could be grand larceny 
But then we uh, cut to Johnny walking the streets with his cans of Coors. He's having a little flashback. This time, oh, not he is to deep in that flashback. Yeah. But this time, it's not a flashback to losing to Daniel Larusso in the All Valley Tournament, which is nice. It's a flashback to something that happened more recently. It's a slightly more normal flashback, I think, which shows growth. Right. It's a flashback to the night before when he found Miguel. Um, on the bathroom floor after the Halloween dance, all beaten and bloodied, and bringing Miguel home to his mother, and Miguel's mom, like, yelling at him, like, I want you to stay away from my son. Uh, Yeah, so not a really great flashback, but still, you're right, progress, growth. Yeah, and it also, that that scene where he's, like, wandering around drunk kind of sets up a kind of whodunit with Daniel's storyline, which is essentially... Daniel has a billboard of his auto dealership and it and somebody uh, has his big face on it and it's like a little bit of a does it say like we kick the competition I feel like it does no but, I think it's just his face and it says LaRusso auto right. and, and now um, it has a giant dick right I mean it's not really a mystery because when you're seeing Johnny wandering around like you see him look at the billboard I and then you see a, him buy a can of red spray paint I think it's a red herring I'm just gonna come out and say it it's a whodunit a red spray paint herring I'm saying okay when you first saw this episode who were your suspects for this crime? What? Are you crazy? It was Johnny. I'm, it was so obviously Johnny. That's what they want you to think. You were so trolling me right now. the Kool-Aid. Are you? What? No. I'll you tell see you. him, like, pick up a can of... of, of when I first saw this paint. episode, I said, there's no way Johnny would do that, okay? <laughs> One, he's drunk off his ass. That is exactly they, when you vandalize things, Nina. <laughs> you know, I had two suspects in mind. What kind of person would have the time on their hands and is obviously a douchebag? Kyler. Kyler did this. Second runner-up is Anthony LaRusso, who I like to talk about just because this episode cemented to me that he is the redheaded stepchild of Viewers, the Viewers, you may have forgotten, but Anthony LaRusso is Daniel LaRusso's son. Yes, yeah, he has two kids. he's never far from our minds. But uh, I'll just say he is, he is neglected. And he acts out, well, and it's painful to see. All he wants is, like, he wakes up in the morning, his dad has made special banana-rama pancakes, apology pancakes for Sam for embarrassing her at the school dance, and it, it's all very white people. I, like I said, I think yeah. it's very strange that, like, you would feel apologetic towards your daughter, you know, because, like, oh, God, I misjudged your boyfriend. An Asian parent would just be like, why were you at a dance? Why were you next to a person of the exactly. opposite sex? But anyways, Daniel actually does feel bad because um, he's a good white dad, and he's making banana pancakes for Sam. Meanwhile, Anthony LaRusso, redheaded stepchild of the family, starts eating them, and like Daniel's like, save some for Sam. And then Anthony LaRusso eats them in a really disgusting way by making like a weird pancake taco yeah. with whipped cream. And you can just see in Daniel LaRusso's eyes that he does not love his son. He does not. And it's, in fact, it this is the perfect encapsulation of like the parenting issues is... Both Johnny and Daniel have a favorite. And it's just tragic because it's not the people that should be... Well, you shouldn't have favorites. If you have two kids, you should technically love them equally. What are you talking about? Everybody has favorites. <laughs> okay, so I mean, that has a favored <laughs> has a favorite bonsai and then there's the other bonsai that just gets no love Right. At all. I mean, that's just the way it is. It the is bonsai that pleases dying. you deserves more water. Yeah. That's how parenthood is. I'm very frightened. <laughs> anyway, Anthony Russo is the unwatered bonsai tree. He of is, this show. and I have I have thoughts that I will save till later in this recap. But okay, okay. there is a lot to unpack with Anthony Russo, more than the show thinks. Okay, 
So wait, we we were talking about Johnny dropping off poor Miguel um, at his at his mom's house. His mom is now super anti karate, mm-hmm. although grandma's pretty supportive of it. His I'm grandmother sure. is like, well, he just needs to get better, obviously. And she she's also Miguel's mom is also now on record calling Johnny a loser, which. I think the very next scene opens to Johnny like, oh. passed out in a pool of cores. So it's it's a it's actually one of the greatest cuts this show has ever done. I'm gonna say it where Miguel's like, "No, you, you don't know him. He's not a loser. He's a great man." Cut to Johnny on the floor, surrounded by cores. It's just, yeah, it, it's it's pretty wonderful. This show, the editing is just so top notch. Yeah, so I feel like yeah, you know, Johnny had a little boost when he got his first student, and then any little bit of self confidence he gained is now gone. Right. Right, so he's back back at square one. That's a, He's on the floor with the beers. He does get a phone call, I believe, that um, from his, Robbie's school principal saying that, like, Robbie has not basically been in school for a month and that Robbie made out some lie about being on a father and son river trip. Um, so, <laughs> but we did skip over something that I think is important, um, which is that Daniel LaRosso's wife is pretty cool. Um, yeah, his voice. His wife is the voice of reason. Like, and being married to someone like Daniel has got to be a bit of a incredibly trial. frustrating. And I mean, already I can see like you can, Daniel is pissed over this. Yes, it's kind of like there's a dick the, on his face. There's a dick on his face, and sure, it happens. It happens to all. Right. Why does it have stalls? When we get a billboard, there will definitely be dicks on our faces. Um, you can't appreciate a good dick joke. I mean, you have to get over it. And I, I love and that. he wants to get, like, the fucking FBI involved. Oh, yeah. And I love that his wife is also just kind of like, um, you should probably get over it. Like, if they arrested everyone who painted dicks on things, there wouldn't be any room in jail for the murderers. And I think Daniel would be nice. fine with that. I think he's, he's okay with... <laughs> prioritizing this dick crime. Oh, and his wife's got a pretty good line where it's just like, you know, it's cool. You'll, it shows that you'll blow the competition away. (laughs) She's, she's a fan of puns. Mm -hmm. And so I I like her. I think she's my spirit animal. I think that like, you can see the dynamic in their relationship is that Daniel takes everything very seriously. And she's just kind of (laughs) like, just go with it. It's okay. Yeah. We can each pick a spirit animal for each episode. Oh, for each episode. For each episode, because I'm I, assuming I like to think that loyalties shift and perceptions change. I'm going to assume that your spirit animal for this episode is Kyler, because why not? Oh, why? Because I'm basically trying to like stick my hand up someone's skirt. I didn't say it. You did. So okay, okay we'll get to the Kyler action, of which there is much. Um, but yeah, he. <laughs> we also get introduced to um, the number one suspect in this crime, which is. Daniel LaRusso's auto dealer competitor, Tom Cole, who is possibly my favorite new character. Yes, he is. Uh, I, I don't I can't remember what the name of his rival auto agency is, but I Cole's on Van Ness. Oh, I think. Well, I mean, I'm just um, here. You do. And uh, <laughs> there is an amazing commercial that he puts out. Oh, well, he does a couple of amazing things. First, he sends a bunch of, like, foot-long subs to And again, his wife LaRusso. sees the silver lining, and she's like, hey, it's free lunch. Right. Uh, but Daniel, however, again, I will call out Daniel's many kind of, like, unpleasant personality traits. He forces his employees slash his relatives to, like, scale this giant billboard and, like, immediately paint over it. 
Which seems like something that you need to be wearing a harness to do. There are some things you pay professionals to do. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Right. What, what's going on there? I don't know. Dan- Daniel's lost all sense of kind of like reality, I would say. I, I don't know. It's sort of par for the course. But um, but uh, I definitely think that Tom Cole's commercial is worth playing right here. Patriot, Tom Cole here. When I'm not busy fighting the hated British for your freedom, I'm fighting to bring you great deals. Great American deals. And because I love this land we call home, I'm giving every new customer their very own drought-resistant cactus. In these dry times, it really is the only responsible plant to own. A strong American plant. From the strong American himself, me, Tom Cole. Coles on their eyes, you... Musket down here. Right. There's, yeah, there's a good pun right there. I appreciate that too. (laughs) A lot of good puns in this episode. Um, Getting back to the high school plot lines. When, um, when we're back in the high school, we see Aisha. Aisha's her name, right? Yeah, she's still living the hell that is high school. She's fresh off of the humiliating incident at the Halloween dance. Actually, everyone is kind of like experiencing the fallout from this very eventful right. dance. It's very, it's, it's a, there are no plot threads left dangling. You see Aisha walking through the hallways and everybody's oinking at her. Sam does this, again, I, How do you feel about Sam? Fair. Give it to us. All right. It, it's probably unfair because Sam is clearly trying to be nice. Uh, but like I said in the previous episode, she's one of those like, oh, she's like, the pretty cool girl, but she's also nice, and somehow, I hate it. Yeah. yeah, somehow that just makes you kind of want to punch her. Like when she tells Aisha, "Like, I know it's so hard, but everybody has short memories; they'll forget." I gotta say, this is when I was like, "A man wrote this show," because this is like one of those things that doesn't make any sense. Because I actually think Sam's treatment of Aisha, perhaps like one of her oldest friends, uh, is is immoral. I'm gonna say she shows shocking naivete. She has witnessed. Her friends actively bullying her friend. Yeah. Making her a social outcast. And she's just kind of like, eh. Right. And I guess... They didn't mean it? I don't even think she says that. She, no. I think she just makes a general statement about how all bullying is kind of ephemeral. And it'll pass. And the tides will change. It'll be another victim tomorrow. Right. And it's this weird thing. It's like, where Sam, like, have you never been bullied? You used to be a science nerd until this year, right? I think it's one of those, like, she's all that movies where, like... She had glasses maybe for a couple years and then she got them off and then of course she was still very pretty and now popular enough to join the popular clan. Right. I don't quite understand like yeah yeah Samantha Samantha's character I don't quite get it cuz it's like she doesn't seem like she was ever like a real nerd otherwise she wouldn't be like don't worry about bullying it's just Are silly. Are you questioning Sam's nerd credentials? I am cuz it doesn't seem like she, she ever was. She said she went to robot camp. I guess, and she was, like, probably the hottest chick at Robot Camp. The hottest chick at Robot Camp. I mean, what an honor. Right? I mean, that's something. (laughs) We all... I would think the hottest chick at Robot Camp would be a a robot, but... Wow. (laughs) No? Okay. All right. All right. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) That is dehumanizing, but sure, let's, uh... Moving on. Moving on. Speaking of uh, bullying, let's say. Yes. Great segue to Kyler. uh, Well, we see... First of all, we see Miguel and Dimitri and Eli in the library, and they're having a they're having an interesting conversation. So that's it? No more karate? I guess so. It's probably for the best. It was starting to boost your confidence. Isn't that a good thing? No. 
What has confidence ever gotten anybody except for a black guy in their backpack thrown in the trash? Well, I thought it was kind of cool how you stood up to Kyler. Are you insane? Let me ask you, what is the best superpower anyone could have? Super strength. Wrong. Invisibility. Um, yeah. I, I love this because you see Miguel is still, even when he's been beaten down, he's still willing to kind of like stand up to Eli and Dimitri. Mm -hmm. Or stand up for Eli and Dimitri. Uh, Kyler continues to be the worst. Um, but the best part of the scene is that Sam finally witnesses bullying in action. Right. And she seems like shaken to her core about it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, even if you didn't personally witness this, didn't Kyler always have that douchey air? Like... How is this new information? Mm -hmm. I don't know. What's what is wrong with he this just, girl? She just he just seems like a bully. I don't know. I mean, I know. don't let the fact that he's Asian fool you. He's yeah. a bully. And then the weird thing is that you see them later uh, at the movies, and it's so bizarre because it's like she's clearly like mad at him, and he keeps trying to put his arm around her, and she, she didn't even away. cancel the date. She didn't even cancel the date or bring it up before the date, like or bring it up like during the line when they're like waiting to like get popcorn or something. It's like when they're in the movie. That's when she's like, I saw you bully those kids. Sam's like, once you once you put it in your eye calendar or whatever, you cannot cancel right. for any reason. Or like, apparently Kyler could have murdered three homeless men on his way there. And she'd been like, we're going to talk about this during, during the, movie. the movie. That this is the right time. Actually, during the movie. Not even like <laughs> is... when we're like on our way to the theater, we're going to talk about it in the oh movie theater. Oh, God. Yeah, Sam's um, definitely not a see something, say something girl. Right. A, so she brings up the bullying and he kind of like just brushes it off and like, one thing that's kind of nice about the scene is, like, you see him trying to get fresh with her, and he she sort of smacks him away. And you, it's just something about the way that it's shot that you can, like, tell that Sam, like, knows how to defend herself, even yeah. though she's not, like, she's taking him in the crotch. some karate moves. And right. she's not the only LaRusso to debut karate moves in this episode. Oh, yes. As we see when Daniel goes to confront Tom Cole, who, again, is... The best. <laughs> What do you think Tom Cole's... Tom Cole is great because I think he has a sense of groundedness about the fact that he sells cars for a living, and that's fine. Right, let's not go nuts here. Yeah, and he has a sense of humor about his own commercial, and... Um, he also says, and I like this, that the valley's big enough for two auto kings. But is it, though? No, it's not. Obviously not. Just like... And Daniel is so territorial, right? Like, there's not... There's not room. For two auto dealers. No, and especially, like, there's only room for one auto dealer that gives out free plants. <laughs> and so, I th and also, uh, another fine detail is that you know you're in Southern California because Tom Cole gives out free boba to his customers, which is just, <laughs> of course. Which is a better, honestly, a better giveaway than a bonsai. bonsai. That you'll probably kill. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. But then we do see that... Uh, after he says that the valley is big enough for two auto kings, he makes a crass dick joke at Daniel's expense, which is And the thing is, you're going to experience a week of dick jokes. Just a week. Yeah. I mean, I treasure this episode because you don't get many dick jokes in this show after this. I know. And frankly, uh, you know, as <laughs> Daniel went to a high school that had a lot of bullying and he's already been through all these intense bullying experiences. And yet... This is what gets him all the like, stick heated. This dick joke just shatters yeah. him. Yeah. But anyways, you do get to a cool scene where you see him kick the boba cup out of Tom Cole's hand. Would you say it's a good kick? Did it did it show evidence of his karate moves? I know you? that you think that Daniel actually has no karate moves, but it was a pretty good kick. I agree. I agree. How how long do you think Ralph Macchio practiced for that? 
Oh. That scene. Oh, God. That was probably like a year before the show premiered. He was like, all right. I was listening to this other podcast that was reviewing the third Karate Kid movie, and they had this hilarious discussion where they postulated that the reason, like, all of the other kind of main characters in the Karate Kid series were actually enrolled in karate and practicing karate regularly. Uh, like all of the villains, Crease, including the guy who plays Johnny Lawrence. Um, but Ralph Macchio, however, was, you know, just an average kid and decided, eh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go on a press junket. And he wasn't in Okinawa. He wasn't practicing karate. No. So, yeah. Well. So he did very little karate through the series. <laughs> but yeah, you have to wait five episodes before you get to see him do one kick. Well, you do get to see him do a kick in that commercial of his. Wasn't it a chop? It was a chop. Yeah, it was a chop. Oh, my yeah. God. Exactly. It right? all makes sense now. He cannot do karate. Yeah. Wow. But, I mean, this is the thing. I also think it's interesting where, like, Miguel also debuts one kick. And a kick is not enough. A kick is not is just one part of your full karate arsenal. That's right. And I think... I think Daniel, all he has is that kick. I mean, it's a pretty flashy looking kick. he's been coasting on it. He's been, he's been building a career on it. Right. His auto dealership is somehow based on it. It's crazy. Yeah, and he pushes back really hard against the idea that... Um, he doesn't do karate. Because Tom Cole implies that, oh, well, you yeah. know, I'm not really like a, a revolutionary hero. Just like, you don't actually do karate. And you yeah. can see that's what gets him... That, that's yeah, what gets him fired and, the, up. and just the idea that he's using this bonsai as a gimmick. Well, it's like you're using this very meaningful thing to, to sell, cars. sell cars. So he does Tom Cole have a point? I think absolutely. I think he does. I think that yeah. you got to embrace your gimmicks. Yeah, Tom Cole is about free speech. He's about free boba. He's about America. Yeah. Yeah. Just like this podcast is about America. Yes, exactly. That's going to be our thing now. <laughs> Super patriotic. Right. We're very patriotic. If you don't listen to this, you probably hate America. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, so... We do get, um, as we've talked about a little bit before, we do get a lot about fatherhood in this episode. Um, shockingly little time is paid to uh, what a terrible father Daniel is to Anthony LaRusso, because we're mostly focused yeah. on... Johnny and Robbie, um, and they do have a confrontation where uh, Johnny tells him to get back in school, and Robbie basically tells him, you've never been any kind of father to me, and also calls him a loser, which is also probably fair, and also brings up Daniel LaRusso, which is kind of like, wow, kid, I didn't know you followed the auto dealership world so closely. I mean, if you think of these characters as having lived in the same very small area, and I think even Daniel's wife references the fact that, like, the All Valley Tournament is this great dark cloud that maybe hangs over the entire town. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in Stephen King's world, like Derry, Maine is like a, a hellish town that it's attracts true. chaos. I think the San Bernardino Valley is that for You're right. Show. Like just karate as evil has show. always been, yeah. has run through karate Derry, Maine, has the karate here. to give you uh, self-confidence. It also has the potential to completely derail your life. Mm-hmm. Just um, like the devil in Derry, Maine. I know it's, it's <laughs> exactly just like that. You gain a student, you lose a student, and and your fortunes rise and fall. Right, and and somehow I guess this does explain why Robbie knows the entire history of his father and Daniel Larusso, and is able to say in that cutting teenage Jonathan Taylor Thomas way of his that you know it must be nice being a winner. 
like Daniel. Not oh like my he, god. He I mean, and then later we see Rob, uh, Johnny watching a father and son enjoy a Sunday together. I know. Which is a little bit like, do, do fathers and sons do that? Like I eat guess, ice cream sundays together? That, yeah. That's a little, okay. Um, do, you think, do you think Johnny gives up a little too easy in his confrontation with Robbie? Like... I, I don't, because it's clear that it's kind of like uh I mean, it was coming off the heels of his run-in with his ex, or his, like, meeting well, with Robbie's mom. Right, and Robbie's mom said very clearly, there are no do-overs. And, you know, there's something about that that I think that Johnny sees, that, like, he can't really go back in time and be the kind of dad that he obviously now wishes. That yeah, because 16 is too late, man. Yeah, well, it's... For Robbie, yeah. Like, with that hair, yeah. I mean, I think it's hilarious because, as you see, it's not like Johnny's like, well, maybe I should go and adopt a young teen. Maybe he'll adopt Anthony LaRusso. That kid clearly needs a father. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I do have an idea for a spinoff. Oh, God. For a Karate Kid spinoff. Okay. Because, you know, with this show, a lot of it is about fathers and sons and pseudo-fathers and pseudo-sons. Obviously... The next next uh, Karate Kid sequel has got to focus on Anthony Larusso. I think so. Yeah, yeah the ride, Darth Anthony. LaRusso. Darth Anthony. Yes, he you goes know, away into chaos, and then when he comes back, he is a hardened man. Right, right. He's done time, and he doesn't just do karate. He's he just uses guns, tats. right? Because that's oh, yeah. just taking it up a notch. He's like a sharpshooter or a sniper. I, I mean, really want to follow this. I want to see right? what happens to Anthony Larusso because his father never loved him. Everyone and his and their mother is doing karate and. Meanwhile, I think this kid is building bombs in the basement. That's what I think he's yeah. doing. I think he's like, yeah. what's better than a kick? A grenade. The new Unabomber. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. I'm ready okay, for it. I love it. Let's write it. <laughs> yes. Okay, another hashtag, Rise of Anthony LaRusso. <laughs> these are just catching on like wildfire, Please aren't they? email us your meta theories about what happens to these characters because we're concerned. Right. Because Especially about I Anthony. already said, I already call it, I think Dimitri's going to be an incel at some point in his life. I mean... If he isn't there already. And then with Anthony LaRusso already living in his basement, I see potential for for like some kind of, of spinoff caper yeah. here. Um, but, but yeah, to continue Johnny's kind of parental arc... We see him... Uh, we see him in the middle of a confrontation at a front door. Please don't close the door. Look, I know I wasn't there from when it mattered. I let him down. I guess I let you down too. And I know there's no do-overs. But that kid is the only person in the world who hasn't given up on me. And I don't want to give up on him. I know, I messed up big time. But if you let him come back, I won't fail him again. I promise. Now, of course, the twist is that he is not talking to Robbie or Robbie's mom. He's talking to Miguel's mother. Yes. Did you see that coming? You know, I didn't. I didn't until that moment when he says, like, this is the only person who hasn't given up on me. And I'm uh, like, it can't be Robbie. Robbie just told you to eat shit. So, But yeah. I also think the show's creators somehow intuitively know that people don't care about... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> people don't care about Robbie. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, say it right don't. now. They haven't made him a... I, I don't know. It's, not, it's nothing to do with the actor. It's just... The character is not terribly compelling... On its face. He's just kind of an angsty teen. And I know it's not fair because 
of all the all the kids that need strong parental figures, Robbie's not pulling the heartstrings the way Miguel is. Right. And here's the thing. I think it's because Robbie seems like the quintessential angsty teen out of a 90s TV show. Like, there's something about Robbie that no matter how hard his lot is, he just seems so familiar that you kind of roll your eyes a little bit. Miguel is like, I don't think I, I don't know. There's something about Miguel. He's just very sweet, very earnest. And also, like, unlike, say, Dimitri, he's, like, willing to put the work into something and be better than he is. It's very compelling. He really wants the dojo. He's terrified the dojo is closing. And he's, he believes in Johnny. That much is clear, right? He says, Cobra Kai never dies. It's like the last thing he says before before his mom slams the door on Johnny. And it's actually very, I I don't know, something about it. It's 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 almost inspiring and effective. So there's just, both of us were like smiling so hard our faces hurt when like you see uh, Johnny and Miguel back in the dojo. Uh, I know, I, I may have adopted two to three troubled teens Immediately after the right. episode. It's, I think we've it's said this before, kind of but Miguel makes you want to be a mom, which is super weird for two people who don't <laughs> want to be moms. It's, it's crazy. Uh, um, wow. Yeah, was that too okay. much? Did we did we explore too much of our psyches here? I don't know. I mean, I I wished him a happy birthday, and I, I now feel... You should feel weird about I that. I feel weird about it. He has a mother, Weena. God. <laughs> okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back off now. <laughs> Anyway, um... Last scene. Yes. Back at the Lugerso Auto Dealership. Daniel's so happy that there's no longer a dick on his face. Not just that, he's also happy that Sam has confirmed that she's done with Kyler. Uh, so he's, like, back in her good graces. Again, he doesn't give a shit about what Anthony LaRusso thinks. No. Anthony LaRusso, by the way, is eating dry English muffins. Well, Sam gets a special batch of pancakes because made just for her. Because it is fucking Afghanistan all the time for Anthony LaRusso. Yep. So. yep. Seriously, it's dark. I know. So he walks back into the auto dealership and his employees slash relatives are talking about a new flyer they found around the billboard. The billboard that had his, uh, that had the dick painted on it, to be clear. Um, And it is a Cobra Kai dojo flyer. And then Daniel gives his angry face. And. And glowers. Scene. Yes. Okay. Uh, what would you, what would you say is your favorite scene from this episode? Oh, you know what it is. I know what it is! It's Johnny going to Miguel's mom's door and and asking for another chance, obviously. Oh, I think we both had the same favorite scene. Uh, I hate it when we agree on stuff. That is Emmy real material for me. God. If he doesn't win an Emmy for that scene, I don't know what's wrong. Me Zapka is so good. He's so good. It's actually like a little scary. Like, wow, this man... Can really. I wonder if William Zabka has kids, and if so, like every time they're mad, he's just like, you know what? Miguel would never say that. Miguel would never say that to the kids, <laughs> right? I mean, I understand that there's something almost, almost a little bit unrealistic about Miguel, just like how good yeah. he is and how like, but or how sweet he is as a kid. So, but still, it really just it does make you so invested in this relationship that Johnny and Miguel have. Uh, more so than than other relationships that might come up later. Yeah, and I think what's good is that each episode seems to end with either a karate lesson or a life lesson. So, <laughs> oh, and they can they can be kind of interchangeable. True. So the karate lesson in this it is was, it is defense. The best defense is more, more offense. offense. Again, something I've embraced in my own life. Definitely. 
<laughs> we should start trolling people in advance just in case they try to troll us on Oh, yeah. I'm on it. Yeah. We've got a Twitter account, guys. Yes. Uh, you can follow us at Kai underscore cast. Um, you can also email us all of your burning theories about any of these characters at CobraKaiCast at gmail.com. Do you want to give a rating for this episode? I give it four and a half karate kicks. Okay, I'm going to give it five bobas. Boba keys. <laughs> Are we out? Oh, yeah. Courtesy of Tom Cole. Bitch, I'm going to get it four... Give you it four and I'm changing it. I'm giving it four and a half cacti because I'm an American. God damn it. <laughs> well, there you have it. We're both American. That's right. Just like this show. Ah, okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Strike first. Strike hard. No, no mercy! mercy!